0: Thank you, Pastor Kyle. Can you all hear me all right? Can you hear me okay? Uh, So it's kind of special for me to be here. As as Pastor Kyle was saying, uh, this was my wife and I's our our home church for a while while we were in Brooklyn. Um, And uh, it's always, it feels so warm and and loving to be here. And so it's really special to be back and to be sharing with you and to see some friends here uh, among you. So uh, happy to really be here today. Um, I want to talk to you really about, two things and it gets me excited. I was praying about what to share with you and I feel like God put something on my heart that I think is really going to encourage you. But the two things are how amazing God is and how kind God is. And how many know that's a really good combination, right? It's not just that God is kind, it's that God is amazing and kind. He has the ability to act on his kindness. And so the the verse that I want to share with you, the story that I want to share with you is found in Luke uh, chapter 24 and uh, it's, uh, it centers on the story called The Walk to Emmaus. But I'm going to read a little bit before it and I'm going to read the story. And, uh, and I'm going to share some things that I hope will encourage you. Amen? Okay, so starting at Luke 24, verse 1. And this is, let me just tell you, I guess, before I start reading. Uh, this is picking up at a point where Jesus has been crucified. So he did his earthly ministry and he was crucified and he's been buried now. And then this is Resurrection Sunday. So we're starting at Resurrection Sunday. Okay, so Luke 24, verse 1. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here, he is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this, so they rushed back to the tomb to tell his eleven disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who, who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they didn't believe it. I'm just skipping ahead to verse 13 now. That same day, so also Resurrection Sunday, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said that his body was missing. They They had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home home with them. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. That was a lot. I know I just read a lot to you. But let me just summarize really quickly if you were following along. So Jesus has been crucified and his disciples are trying to figure out what to do. For years, they had been following Jesus. They had watched him perform miracles. They had seen him do the miraculous. And they had dedicated their lives to to really following and serving under his lordship and his leadership. They had left behind things that they were doing. You've read various accounts. If you've read the Bible, you know that people, they got up and they followed Jesus. They left behind whatever their other vocations were. And they just committed themselves. They committed their lives to the Lord. And then he's killed before them. He's beaten beyond recognition. He's nailed to a cross and he is executed in front of their eyes. And with that, all of their hopes and all of their dreams of who they thought they were following, all that they thought that Jesus would be, all that they thought was going to happen, that the Messiah had come, that there would be freedom, there would be liberation, that God himself was somehow moving among them, all of that died for them right in front of their faces. And now they're left with, what do we do now? That's where this story is is picking up. And then some of Jesus' followers, some women go to the tomb and, and there are angels that appear to them and they say that Jesus is alive and he's not dead and they come back and they tell the followers but they just can't seem to believe that this has happened. They've seen too much. They've experienced too much. It's too painful. It sounds like nonsense. It literally says, they said angels were there and they said this sounds like nonsense to us. And so you find these two followers of Jesus on the road to Emmaus. And I think the road to Emmaus represents something pretty significant. It represents them moving away from, from Jesus. They're moving away from Jerusalem. They're moving away from following Christ, from all that they had committed, all that they had hoped that Jesus would be. Now they're on this walk away. And, they, and it says that they were filled with sadness. Their faces downcast. And they're filled with all these questions about what just happened? I don't understand. I committed my life to following Jesus, and and now this. And Jesus comes and he finds them on that road and he starts talking to them. Even though they don't recognize him, Jesus is talking to them and he intervenes in the middle of that. And I guess the first point that I wanna leave you with, make for you today, is don't let your discouragement determine your direction. You know, the road to Emmaus can play out in our lives in a lot of different ways. We can be following Jesus, we can be committed to him and, and you know, devoted and trusting, but then things can happen in our lives that can hit us like a ton of brick at times and we can start to put space between us and Jesus. Sometimes because of discouragement or sometimes because of some tragedy, there are hard and difficult things that we go through in life that can start to very subtly cause us to start walking away from the Christ that we were following. Calls us to start questioning and doubting, is God really as good as his word says he is? Is he really with me all the time? Is he with me now in the middle of this difficult thing that I'm going through? We face our own road to Emmaus and it can be subtle. You know, you can still come to church, you can go through the motions, but your heart is starting to drift away little by little. The word doesn't seem as fresh and alive. You don't wanna pick up your Bible and read it and ask God to speak into your life about what's going on. You're starting to put space. Maybe nobody else can, can tell, nobody else knows, but you start to journey down that road to Emmaus where there's space between you and God. And other times it can be a lot more drastic where you just say, God, I'm ready to give up. I don't know that I can do this anymore. I don't know that I can trust you anymore. I don't know that I can believe in you anymore. I don't understand what's happening in my life. The pain that I'm going through, the things that I feel, it just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't add up if you're if you're so good if you're so loving if you're so kind then where are you right now in the middle of this thing that i'm going through and we can take a more drastic turn towards the road to Emmaus and that's something that i went through i mean this is very personal to me i feel like this could have been me in this story this is you know it's funny because there, there are two uh, followers of christ and only one of them is named and it's almost like, man, I could have been the second person who's in this story because I've had my own road to Emmaus uh, journey. I was uh, in between my sophomore and junior year in college, and that summer was one of the most difficult summers of my life. It was very difficult. My parents had gotten divorced the year before, and I don't know, I was kind of mad and starting to get bitter. That was like the subtle departure. That was for me kind of a turning point where I started to very subtly go down the road to Emmaus, and Started to put some distance between God and myself. Because I had prayed for years that my parents, their marriage was very volatile. It wasn't really a healthy one. And I had prayed that God would intervene. And then they just divorced one day. It just didn't work out, you know. And it was, I became angry inside at God. And it started to put that separation there. But that summer on top of that, uh, was the first time that my mom faced stage four uh, breast cancer. And I remember being about 19 And because my parents were divorced, the the primary responsibility for taking care of her fell to my older sister and me. Uh, I have a younger brother who who has some, some, um, some difficulties and so he wasn't really able to help us in the same way. And it was really, really hard for us. And I was completely overwhelmed. I didn't know what to do. I was trying to manage taking her to chemo appointments and talking to doctors who were speaking over my head. I didn't really understand what they were saying. And I just remember watching her really start to waste away and feeling completely hopeless and powerless and not able to do anything. I just became so angry with God. I I got so upset that this was happening because my mom was a Christian, my mom was faithful, my mom was in church all the time you know she was the person where we'd be riding in the car it was always on the Christian radio station we'd always be sighing like mom change this i don't want to hear this but it was just you know somebody was preaching to us 24 hours a day 7 days a week wherever we were going and this is before ipods or podcasts this was like 570 you know a.m. wwdj and uh, and and i remember thinking that this was so unfair for this to happen to her you know in the middle of that my my younger brother uh, had a breakdown and was hospitalized for a while and I remember bouncing back and forth between hospitals and just it was, it was like too much. I was at my breaking point where I didn't know how to handle it and I felt like God had quit on me. I felt like he had just given up and, and I was running full speed down the road to Emmaus as, as far away from all of this as I could. And so that summer I remember being so angry that uh, my mom wanted to go to a prayer meeting at our old church. And I was so mad. I told her I'm not. I'm not going. And she said she was weak and she needed me to drive her there. So I told her I would drive her, but I would sit in the car and I would wait until the prayer meeting was over, so that I could drive her back home. That was the compromise that I tried to strike with her because I was just like, over this, you know. And uh, she said she needed help walking inside. My mom was pretty clever, so so I helped her to get inside. And and you know, um, I remember. Uh, our pastor at the time he made an altar call and he said, I don't, know, I don't remember what he preached about. He said, "Come, come to the front, you know, if you if you want to pray." And I was like, you know, I, I think I want to say some things to God, and like totally irreverent. I went up to the front and I was angry, and I remember pouring my heart out to the Lord and saying, you know, where are you? Where are you in all of this? And uh, and I really felt God saying to me, you know, where are you? Where are you in this? Are you only going to trust me when things are are good? Or are you going to trust me throughout even when you don't see what's going on? And God kind of dealt with me a little bit there. But I wasn't really ready to surrender. I had, had a lot of hurt and I had a lot of questions. But I knew that where I was wasn't really where God wanted me to be. Anyway, my mom started to progress through the chemo. My brother started to get a little bit better. And I'm back at school and I'm at a crossroads. I have to decide now who am I going to be? Am I going to be a follower of Christ? Or am I going to be somebody who just goes my own way and does my own thing? And I promise you I really wanted to be a follower of Jesus. I I like tried for maybe three weeks or a month or something like that. Like I was trying to read the Bible. I was telling people I couldn't go to parties. I was like really just trying to focus. But I had all this stuff inside of me that I didn't know how to deal with. And I was really angry still. And I was really frustrated. And I couldn't bring myself to pick up the Bible and to read it because I felt like God wasn't speaking to me. And I I reached this point one Sunday, and I don't recommend that any of you do this. I'm just being transparent with you. But I told God I give up. It was actually a Saturday night. I said, God, I can't do this anymore. I don't even know if you're real. I've been a Christian since I was like six. You know, I went to Kitty church, and I understood what I was doing. I gave my heart to the Lord. I had grown up in the church. It wasn't just because my parents had told me. I, I... understood what the Bible said about Jesus. But I just said, I don't know that this is for me. I don't know that I believe everything that I'm reading in this Bible. I still don't understand why these things happen that I can't reconcile. And I'm hurt and it doesn't make any sense. And I feel alone and I'm upset. And I just, I just can't do this anymore. This, is, this must be for other people. This is not for me. This is not for me. And in my foolishness, because it was a Saturday night, I said, okay, well, God, I'll give you Sunday. I'll give you one more Sunday, I'll give you one more day. I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and I'm gonna to go to church and this is it. This is gonna be the last time that I ever go to, if you don't tell me this Sunday that you're real, if you don't meet me in some way and show me that this is not all just nonsense, foolishness, like it sounded to the, the followers of Christ, then I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm done with all of this. And so I got up uh, that, that Sunday and there was a church that I had been to maybe like two times before. I didn't know anybody there. It wasn't like my home church. I wasn't really consistently going to church the first two years that I was at school. But, um, but this was my Sunday. So I went there and it was a church that's probably a little smaller than this. Um, you know, probably if you took out like the last three rows or so, that's about how big the church was. It was a little more narrow. And it had pews instead of chairs. And so I walked in and it's kind of like, Where do you sit when you go to church? You sit too front, like too close to the front, everybody wants to talk to you. I didn't want to do that. You sit in the back, everybody thinks you're a sinner, so I didn't want to do that. So I sat like 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 three-quarters of the way in, and I just like sat in a pew, and it was like the perfect don't talk to me seat. You know what I mean? Like just leave me alone. I'm here, I'm invisible, just like let me get through this service. And I remember sitting there thinking, this is the last time I will ever set foot in a church. Like God has the last laugh as I'm standing here talking to you today in a church. But I sat there and, um, and they announced, much like today, that there was a, a guest speaker who was there. It was a woman who I had never met before. Don't know her. I have no idea what she preached about. I was so tuned out. I, I had no interest in what she was saying. I, I, it seemed almost like my anger was growing As the service progressed. And I was just I couldn't wait for somebody to say amen. So I could say, God, I gave it a try. Like I I did all I could do and now I'm done. And I can I can put all of this stuff that doesn't make any sense to me behind me. And so I sat there for probably like, I don't know, twenty minutes, twenty five minutes. She talked, she said stuff, no idea what it was. And then at some point in the message, she stopped and she said, Okay, I gotta stop the service today said I feel like God is telling me that somebody walked in here and told God that they were going to give up unless God told them not to and whoever that person is you need to come to the front because we're going to pray for you. And so, yeah, my the look on my face is the look on your face. <laughs> and so, but but this is this is how callous my heart was. I said, "I'm not going." <laughs> I said, "There is nothing that they can do to get me out of this chair." And get me to the front of the. I'm, I, I don't care. I don't care what this lady says. I don't know who this lady is. I will knock it out of my seat. I am not going to the front. And so she said, "This is what I feel God is telling me to do." And I can't go on with this service. And I thank God for her. I feel like she was really, you know, led by the Holy Spirit in that moment because it took a lot of courage for her to do what she did. I never met her before. She didn't know me. And so for probably the next awkward two minutes, two minutes and thirty seconds, the whole church just sat there in silence. That is a long, if I were to just stand here in front of you for like two minutes and not say a word, it would, it would become like uncomfortably awkward how long that silence was. But she just felt like this is what God was telling her. And so for two and a half minutes, she just stood here and she prayed quietly to herself. So people are looking at her like, who is this woman? You know, like, why is she here? You know, what's going on? And, um, and I just sat there and I waited. Like, let's see, let's see how this plays out, you know. Let, let's see what's going to happen here. This is a showdown, like, between me and God. And, uh, and after two and a half minutes, there were two young ladies who were sitting probably about like four rows in or so, and they stood up and they came to the front. And the whole church started clapping. Everybody went wild. And I said in my heart, I said, you see, God, it was for them. Because if it were for me... You would have found a way to get me up there and you didn't. And so the two ladies came up and like a deacon met them somewhere over here and started praying for them and, uh, and, you know, I'm waiting for the service to end and then the woman said, I'm sorry, I have to stop the service again. I feel like God is saying that there's one more person that we're waiting for. And... Now my eyes are open a little bit and I'm, I'm like trying to figure out like what is this lady, an angel? Like what in the world is happening right now? I don't understand what this is. I've never been to this church. This is like, and forgive me if I get emotional because this was like, a, you know, I'm this is a real, the same way that these followers of Christ were walking on this road, distraught and not understanding what was happening, that was me. That was me sitting three quarters of the way, you know, in this, in this service, and sometimes we read the Bible, and it just sounds like there's stories of people that seem so distant and so far it doesn 't feel like it 's real to us, but these were real people who experienced real things that are recorded in a, a real Bible for us to understand, and sometimes God has to like whack us over the back of the head to get us to understand that like no, this is, this is a real story of what people went through, and, and so she says yeah, there's one more person that we 're waiting for, and so I just kind of like I put my, put my head on my hand and I like closed my eyes and I started shaking my head and I was trying to block out what she was saying. And she said, this is the truth, she said, God wake him up. Whoever he is, he's sleeping on what you're trying to say. And like my heart started beating out of my chest. And I knew, I knew it was me. Like it was obviously me. It was clearly me. The like big surprise, it was me. And so I'm fighting and I'm wrestling and I finally stood up and I walked to the center and I started walking down the aisle. Nobody clapped. Everybody, everybody looked at me like I had just killed somebody in the parking lot. Like every, the whole church just silently watched me walk to the front. And I remember feeling so self-conscious that the honest truth is I said, oh, man, I made a mistake. I was like, oh, God, you got me. I, made a, I shouldn't have gotten up. I shouldn't have gotten out of my seat. And I said as I was walking, okay, I don't mean this. I said, God, I'm going to go through the motions because I'm already standing up. I know how church goes. I know what you're supposed to do. But in my heart, I don't. I don't mean this. I still. I still can't do this anymore. I can't do this. And so I came up to the front, and there was a, a nice deacon who met me, and he said, "You know, what do you want me to pray for?" And I was so sarcastic, so like, so rude. I said something like, "Pray however the Lord leads you, brother." Like some, something some church like just to be like dismissive of him. And he prayed for me, and um, I was standing next to the two other ladies. And as soon as he finished, I sat down like in this third seat right next to Pastor Kyle. And I wanted to disassociate myself from the two other women who had come forward. I just wanted to get back to the congregation. I wanted to get back to, to sitting down as though I hadn't gotten up. And so I, I sat back down and I remember just thinking like, you know, I'm still out of here. I'm still, I'm still done with all of this. And, um, and then this the woman who was preaching, this, this pastor, um, she looked right at me and i was like oh no you know and she and she said she was actually um, up on the platform and she said from the platform to me she said you know young man i feel like you have something to say to the congregation and she walked down off the stage and she put the microphone in my face like like here it was like 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 here in my face so i either had to grab the microphone or i had to like push this lady out of the way and run out of the church so I took the microphone from her and I was really frustrated, I was really annoyed, you know, but I stood up in front of the church, like almost exactly where I am right now and held the microphone and I just started to talk and I said, I don't know any of you people in here today and none of you know me, but when I woke up this morning, I told God that I was going to quit unless he showed up and he told me in a way that I couldn't deny not to give up. And... You know, you saw what happened. We went through two rounds of don't give up. And I didn't get up for the first round. And the second one was me. And, you know, I'm here today and I'm now I'm holding the microphone. I'm talking to you. And I I guess God doesn't want me to give up. I guess he doesn't want me to quit. And I gave her back the microphone and I sat down. And then the whole church started, you know, like clapping and everything. And and I was just so kind of out of it from the whole thing. I remember sitting there and 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 I I said in my heart, I said, God, but I don't understand any of this. I don't understand what's going on right now. And I don't understand how, why, why it matters that I don't give up. I don't understand why it matters that I live for you. I don't think that it's going to matter. I don't think that anyone will ever care. None of this makes any sense to me. You know, God, I don't really get it. Um, but the service ended on my note. And I was waiting, the, the pastor was talking to the two other ladies. And so I was waiting, I wanted to talk to this lady. I wanted to touch her, see if she was real. I wanted to like, kind of like, you know, what, what was all of this that happened? And as I was standing, you know, probably about here, waiting for her to finish talking to the people over there, there was um, another lady, a little older, who walked from the back of the church and she came up to me and she said, you know, I just lost my son not too long ago and it's been really difficult and really painful and I was on the verge of giving up. And something about you standing up and saying what you said today filled me with so much hope and encouragement that I know that I'm not supposed to give up either. And, and at that point, I just like started crying. I remember I broke and, and it, was, it was overwhelming for me how kind God was to me in that moment. That I, I was so you know, blatantly rude and disrespectful and dismissive of God. But he came and he met me in the middle of that in the same way that he met these two followers on the road to Emmaus. And so my second point for you is, and second and third kind of go together, but my second point is, God loves you enough to pursue you when you're lost. Maybe you need to be reminded of that today. I needed to be reminded of that when I was going through that, that time in my life where I felt like I was so alone and that God was a million miles away. And much like these followers of Christ, I didn't realize at that time that Jesus was walking right next to me. You know, it says that their eyes were hidden where they couldn't see who he was, but Jesus was on the road literally walking right next to them and talking to them and explaining to them who he was, going through the scriptures and who he says he is. And I felt like that day for me was God reminding me that he's real and that he sees exactly where I am and that he knows exactly what I'm going through. And that my pain was real, my confusion was real, my hurt was real, but God was also real. And he was with me that day. And if it took him sending a stranger to stand up and to say, I see you, don't give up because I'm with you and I'm going to help you and I'm going to walk with you through this. Then I thank God that the same way that he did that for these two followers, he did for me. But my last point is this. You have to choose to turn and, sorry, turn and choose the road that leads to Jesus. Even with all of that, I still could have chosen that day to walk away. I could have continued on my road to Emmaus. I could have said, wow, that was a crazy thing that happened to me and you know, told that to friends at like parties or something. Or I could have acknowledged that this was a real living God who was intervening in my life and telling me that he cares enough about me to capture me on my walk away from him and to bring me back. And I don't know where you are today. I don't know what you're going through. I think that we all have things that are hidden in each of our hearts. Things that if we're not careful can start to put space between us and the Lord. And I just felt in my heart today to share this really miraculous, in my opinion, story of how God intervened, not just with these two followers, but also in me, in my life. If you have a hard time believing the Bible, reading the Bible, then take my version of the road to Emmaus. I'm standing in front of you today. This happened to me. This is a real story that I went through, that I lived through that shows not just how amazing God is, but how kind He is. And the great thing is that there is nothing special about me. I'm just a regular person like any of you. And the same God who loves me wants to remind you that he loves you. And if you're tempted in your heart to give up today, if you feel like there's pain that you don't understand, if you feel like Jesus is far away, I'm here to tell you that he's not. That he is as close as the mention of his name. That he sees exactly what you're going through. And if you're tempted to give up, if you're tempted to believe that he's not real, if you're tempted to believe that he doesn't care, I'm here to tell you that that's not true. He does, and he sees where you are, and he knows where you are, and he knows what you're going through, and he is close to you. He is close to you. You know, I want to just finish with this, with this one thing. This is, that story is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, but one of my other favorite ones is the story of the prodigal son. And, you know, just to kind of paraphrase really quickly, the prodigal goes out, and he, he says he wants his father's inheritance, and he blows it all on like silly living, and and, uh, and while he's out, he's starving to death, basically. He has nothing left, no food. And he comes to his senses and he says, you know, my father treats even the servants better than, than uh, what I'm living in. I'm going to go back home and I'm going to ask just to be a servant. I don't really deserve to be a son anymore. But let me at least go home so I don't starve to death out here. And my favorite verse is, it's in Luke 17, and, and actually I'm going to find it for you so I say it right. You can remember this. It's Luke chapter, it's Luke chapter 15. Uh, Verse 20, and it says that while the son was on his way back home, it says the father saw him while he was a long way off. And his heart was filled with compassion towards his son. And as the son comes, the father goes and he runs and he meets him. And he puts his robe on him and he puts his ring on him and he puts his sandals on his feet. And it's such a picture of of us, you know. Some of us, some of you today, wherever you are, whether you're online or you're here in this place, you might feel like you're a long way off. But as soon as you turn your heart back towards him, as soon as you open your arms and you say, God, here I am, he runs to meet you. He runs, It's it's not a condemning father. That's not who we serve. He's not chasing after you with a rod to point out all the things that you did wrong. It's a loving father. It's a kind father who sees you while you're a long way off and wants to come and embrace you and bring you back into his house, bring you back into his home, into his family. That's who God is. And if you've heard of a different God, then I'm sorry that you've been introduced to someone other than the God that I know. But the God that I know is holy. Yes, he wants us to live according to his word, but he is kind and he is compassionate and he wants you to come home to him where he is. And if you're a long way off today, I just want you to, actually why don't we all just bow our heads and and close our eyes. and, um, And you know where you are. You know how far away or how close you are to the Lord. You know where he is. And you know where you are. And if you're a long way off today, then my invitation to you is that you open your heart and you ask God to bring you back to him. I pray that the words that I'm sharing with you would be words that move inside of you and cause you to realize that God is close and he, he wants to come and embrace you. He wants to welcome you back into his arms. He wants to walk with you through whatever it is that you're going through. Whatever the pain is that might be causing you to put some distance between you and him. I pray that he comes and he fills that gap and he fills that void with his love because that's who he is. And so if that's you, then I just want you to pray along with me. In your, in your seats. Actually, I'll pray for you. But you pray in your heart. You pray in your own way. Lord, I thank you for everybody that you've brought, Lord, to church today and whoever it is that's listening to this message. I thank you that you can use my foolishness, Lord. You can use my stubbornness. You can use the, the, the things that I did, Father, that, that shame me now, Lord, and turn it into a story of your graciousness, a story of your kindness, a story of your forgiveness, Lord, a story of your love. I thank you, Father, that that day wasn't the last day that I set foot inside a church. I thank you, Lord, that you sent someone to reach out to me when I was hurting and lost, Lord. I thank you that you prepared this day, Father, where I was able to come and I pray that I can be that same hand extended to somebody else. That, Father, if there's somebody out there who's struggling now to believe if you're real or if you care... Or to know that you can forgive them and welcome them home when they turn and bring their heart to you. I pray, Father, that you would use my words to encourage them and to do something inside of their hearts to let them know, Lord, that you are longing for them to come home. You are longing for them to come back to you. That you would welcome them, Father. You, you, you wait, Father, with expectant arms to welcome them into your home, into your presence, Lord, into your grace, into your mercy, and so, Father, I pray that they would, wherever they are today, they would open their heart to you and they would say, Father, I want to come back home. That the same road that they took away, Father, would, they would turn around and come right back to you. And that they would stay with you, Lord. That they would abide in you and that you would help them through wherever it is that they are. Whatever it is that they're going through. That they would know that there is a real God in heaven who sees them and who loves them and who cares and who knows where they are and what they're going through. Help us, Lord even if we're close to you, to continue to walk close to you, to surrender our hearts to you daily and to trust that you are with us always. We thank you, Lord, for how kind you are and how good you are and how amazing you are. In Jesus' name, amen.